Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We are in the middle of a series that was kicked off last week by Chris Guglielmucci called Songs of Summer. We just thought it's summertime and uh, when I think of summer, I think of a few things. One would be a pool or the beach. But uh, another great memory for summer with me is uh, cruising in the car, windows down, music blaring to the latest beats, yeah? Anyone got a good memory like that? So I just thought songs of summer would be a great thing to do at this particular time. Uh, What would the world be without music, songs or singing? In our house, you would not survive if you did not sing. Our home has always got music. It's not necessarily from the radio or, or the iPod. It might just be us singing. And if it's from me and Kath, it may not sound too good, but uh, we're singing anyway. Our kids sound great. We don't sound too great, but we're always singing. What would the world be without song, without music and without singing? Amen. Come on, even if, you're not, even, if you're, even if you're not a proper singer, every one of you, you get in the shower, you start singing. And this sounds awesome, just the acoustics. I'm going to lead worship one day. When we build a shower booth up here, I will lead worship. That'll just be amazing. Worship, music and song are great for creating moods and creating memories. Uh, for example, when I think of certain songs, I have certain memories attached. Would that be fair to say for you, you might have a certain song? So when I think of Split Ends, Icy Red, I think of speed skating in the 80s at Modbury Skate Line. I cannot hear that song without thinking about me skating as fast as I can, taking over everybody and showing off to my then girlfriend, Kath. Uh, this just this has a memory for me, I cannot hear that song. When I hear the song Danger Zone, I think of the world's greatest movie ever. <laughs> Top Gun. Some of you thought I was gonna say, I don't remember that song in Sound of Music. No, it wasn't. Because <laughs> Sound of Music is under Top Gun. <laughs> On the all-time favourite movies ever made, Top Gun is number one. So you've learned something today. You can go home now, be blessed. God has spoken. Sound of music, probably around 10. Top Gun, and then you got just under that point break. The original version. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what else we got here? Uh, Never Walk Alone, I think of Liverpool Football Club. Um, born in the USA by the boss, Bruce Springsteen. I think of the day I got my driver's license. Do you know why? Because when I got my driver's license, It was the first time I was allowed in the car by myself. And the first thing I did was put on my cassette tape. I pushed it in and I pushed Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, and I put it as loud as I can, could, window down, arm out, and I broke all the things that you were told to do when you learned to drive a car. Like, you have to hold the wheel like this. I didn't check my blind spot. I didn't hold on with two hands. I just held on with one hand. And when I hear that song, I think of me driving on my first day with my peas. If you've just got your peas, don't do that. It's just not right, okay? Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Billie Jean, which is one of my all-time favourite songs ever by Michael Jackson, of course. And I think of him moonwalking across the stage in the 1982 Grammys. It's the first time he ever 
performed that little walk. It's just an amazing memory. I hear that song and I think of that particular moment. When I hear, baby, 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 oh. I think of my daughter Jordan. I actually do. Pre-pubescent Bieber singing baby reminds me of my daughter because we sang that song over and over and over and over and over and over again. That was when only young girls liked Bieber. Now 30-something blokes like Bieber. But that's another story. Um, And of course, of course, and you'll probably know where I'm going with this, those of you who know me well, there's a special place in my heart for Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. That will forever be our song. Because when that song was number one back in 1983, that's when I said to my then girlfriend, will you go out with me? And she said yes. I knew she'd say yes. You don't ask a girl if you're not sure. You find out. You ask all their friends. And she, if I ask her out, will she say yes? You do all that. So I knew she would say yes. So there's a, there's a word of wisdom. If you want to know how to ask a girl out, you just make sure they're going to say yes first. Oh, that's embarrassing. It's so cool. Anyway, and every time I hear that song, I think of Kath and I skating in couples, holding hands as youngsters, which is awesome. I love songs. Maybe you've got a favourite song. And right now, I've probably lost all of you. You're just reminiscing about a favourite song <laughs> from the 80s. Best music was done in the 80s, by the way. Just, just, just letting you know that. If, you wanna, if, if, if there's a party that's not happening, just play 80s music. It'll just come alive. Just be like, the presence of God will come. I would encourage a lot of churches that are boring, I would say, play some 80s music. Just get the presence of God in there through 80s music. I'm telling you. Uh, uh, anyway, um, that's just another thing. Um, songs are great for creating memorable moments that have a memorable message. There's a great theologian by the name of Taylor Swift, and she wrote this song. That's what people say. You want to sing, don't you? Come on. Oh, yeah. oh, got to listen to Tony now. I'll make it worth your while. I'll make it worth your while. Uh, you know what? This may seem sacrilegious. I love that song. Uh, I wish most Christians had the kind of attitude to life as she does. You know, because they say lots of things. But you know what they say? A big day, a big day, a massive day is three people. And we're led to believe it's the whole world, the whole world hates me. Hey, newsflash, the whole world doesn't even know you exist. 
A massive day might be four people. On a very good day, a, a very, very, very good day, a big, massive, humongous day would be five people. That's it. No more than that. And I love the fact she just tapped into the fact, you know what, they're going to say it, they're going to hate, they're going to mock, but it doesn't matter. Let's just shake it off. But the best part of the song for me is this particular part. I love this part. This is my favourite bit of the song. You ready? I love that. She has great theology. She says, just think, while you've been getting down and out about the liars and the dirty, dirty cheats of the world, you could have been getting down to this sick beat. Which is in keeping with our theme. We could change that. You could be getting down to this sick psalm. The Word of God is full of songs that have memorable and magnificent memories and messages that instead of us just going on about the liars and the dirty, dirty cheats, we could be getting down to these sick beats that are found in the Word of God because these Psalms were songs. They were songs that were on the radio of the day some 3,000 years ago, that you turn on the radio 3,000 years ago, just bear with me, okay? You turn the radio on and there'd be, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shout. And we'd sing these songs. They <laughs> said, man, David, he's awesome. Love David, man, he's cool. Have you seen David's new look? He's got short hair. He's peroxided his head, seriously. And that these are songs that are written for us to encourage ourselves, to bring back memories. And so this whole month of January, we're just dedicating this time to the songs of summer. And it's an opportunity for us to just pick out a few of our favourite psalms of our time, okay, of the time back then, but we're just going to share them right now. And so today, having said all that, I want to look at Psalm 23, which is one of the most famous of all Psalms, and it goes like this, Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for ever. Obviously that was put to music back in the day and as I've already said it was on the radio and people loved that song and it created memories but it certainly came from a place. Just like Taylor Swift that came from a place where the haters were hating. This came from a place. This was David's life. David walked through this moment and he penned it and he put music to what he penned and it became a great song of its time. 
He saw a connection because he was a shepherd. And David saw a connection between what he did for his sheep and what God did for his people. He had the incredible ability to have the art of capture. Um, In other words, uh, as a shepherd, he was able to look around at the sheep and draw a message from that which he was doing. In other words, if David was a mechanic, Psalm 23 would look a little bit different. He would be talking about cars and spanners and oil and and he'd be talking about that. But as a shepherd, he drew from his experience and put pen to paper and music to those words and people sang the songs of the day. My subtitle of my message today would simply be this, Seasons in the Shadows. Seasons in the Shadows. You see, in Israel... There is a valley called the valley of the shadow of death. It's deep, it's steep, it's a narrow canyon leading from Jerusalem to Jericho and the sun only ever hit the floor of that valley about noon. Most of the time it was in shadow. And it was there that thieves would hide in the cleft of the rock, waiting for shepherds and passers-by to come past so that they could rob them. And no doubt David had to lead his sheep through that valley on many occasions. And so this came from a very real place. David knew what it was to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Anyone else out there felt like they've walked through a valley of a shadow of death? Maybe 2015 for you felt like the valley of the shadow of death. The question is how you handle the dark valleys of our life. And this is an important question as we enter a new year. See, New Year's resolutions are really exciting. And the reason they're exciting is because they're a declaration of a preferred future. No one ever says, I I want to put on weight. No one ever says, I want to get really, really unfit in 2016. No, no, we always declare something positive. We always declare a preferred future for us. And that's what makes them exciting. Another word for resolution could be a promise. We make a promise to ourselves that something will change in our life for the better. Anyone done that once upon a time? Yeah. Unfortunately, as we know, many of the New Year's resolutions that we make on January 1 are broken by the end of January. We've forgotten all about them by the end of January. And that's because every promise is attached to a problem. You've got to catch this. Every promise is attached to a problem. For example, uh, when we make a promise to ourselves to lose weight, the problem is we get hungry. We make a promise, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose weight this year. That's the promise. But here's the problem. I'm hungry. I like donuts more than I like kale. (laughs) Which is not weird, by the way. 
it'd be weird if you like kale more than you like donuts. I mean, let's just face it. I mean, I eat kale because I just, I just choose to. It's just, but you don't, you don't like it. You don't mean to actually like it. With every promise, it has a problem. When God gives you a gift, he wraps it up inside of a problem. And the greater the gift, the greater the problem. You can't have a big promise with a small problem. If you've got a big promise and you want to do big things for God and you want to have an incredibly uh, exciting life, that's a great thing. That's a great thing to believe for and to want and to desire. But know this, that with it will come big problems. We want big promises, little problems. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Big promises come with big problems. And the whole of life is rigged that way. There was a promise that came to the Israelites that they would go into the promised land. The problem was they had to go through the wilderness. But then there was a provision of milk and honey. And so that's what happens in life all over. And so the good news is that we serve a problem-solving God. Not only is there a problem that comes with our promise, but there is also the provision that comes our way. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. See, what God said to the problem, the problem was darkness and God had a solution and he spoke to the problem. He said, let there be light. And there was. For every promise, there is a problem. And for every problem, there is a solution. If you have a promise, praise God. If you made a promise to yourself on January 1, praise God. But know this, there's a problem attached to that promise. But know this, just before you get too discouraged, there's also a solution to the problem, which means we can fulfill the promise. So there's a promise, a problem, and provision. There's a promise, a problem, and a solution. We serve a problem-solving God. And it's a great thought to remember when we walk through dark valleys. Some facts about dark valleys. Number one, dark valleys are unavoidable. We all have seasons in the shadows. Those seasons may look different at different times to different people. For some, it could be the loss of a loved one. We know that in 2015, some people we were believing for to be healed and raised up to fullness of health passed away and went to be with the Lord. It's a season in the shadows. For others, it's a loss of a relationship. We saw marriage breakdowns last year. We saw uh, Relationships separate last year and they are seasons in the shadows. These seasons are unavoidable and they all carry a measure of pain. And if you didn't have a season in the shadows last year, who knows, maybe you've got one this year to come or whatever. They're unavoidable. And I think it's good for us to know 
that so that we're not beating ourselves up or, or blaming somebody else and wishing it hadn't happened, but that we can respond according to the Word of God. So dark valleys are unavoidable. Number two, dark valleys are unpredictable. You never know when they're coming. And they often come at the worst time. Have you noticed, as annoying as a, having a flat tire is, what makes having a flat tire more annoying is the time you get it. It's never like you get a flat tire when you're on holiday and you're away and someone can come and just change the car tire while you're away so you come back and you didn't skip a beat. It's never like that. You only ever get the flat tire when you're on a uh, mission to go somewhere and you have to be there on time. Have you noticed that? Or maybe you're going to a job interview and you've got to be there on time and you get a flat tire. They're unpredictable, these seasons in the shadows. Number three, they are impartial. No one is immune. We all face problems, rich, poor, good, and bad. If you're a Christian here and say, why have bad things happened to me? Because it does. Like the saying goes, stuff happens. That's how it goes, isn't it? What what are you listening to? Gee, stuff happens. It just happens. You can be doing all the right things. Going to church. Giving a tenth of your income. Singing and lifting your hands in the time of worship. And something goes wrong. Don't stop doing all those things. I'm not going to do that. It just happens. It's impartial. We all experience bad things. We all experience bad days. We all have seasons in the shadows. Number four, dark valleys are temporary. What you need to know is they have an end. Seasons in the shadows are not forever. I think of a kid, as, as a kid, I used to have to go to the dentist. And the thought of going to the dentist would put so much fear into me. And when I was in the dentist, it felt like forever. Talk about a season in the shadows. I mean, that was like the valley of the shadow of death. I'm just like, I'm just like. The reality is, it was probably only 15 minutes I was in the chair, but it felt like forever. And sometimes the seasons we go through feel like forever. But take heart. There's an end to our season. There's an end to the shadows. It doesn't last forever. And the great thing about knowing Christ as your personal Lord and Savior is this. That even if you suffered every day of your life until the day you died, and never got your breakthrough, it would still be worth not giving up. It would still be worth not giving in. Because in light of eternity, that small moment on planet Earth would pale into insignificance by comparison. Let's say you live 70 years. Let's say you you are really healthy and you live for 100 years. Let's say you did eat kale more than you ate donuts and you lived to be 150 In light of eternity, it's such a small number. 
It's such a small number. The old hymn writer wrote, when we've been there 10,000 years. And then another 10,000. And then another 10,000. It makes 150 years. If you've been eating your kale. See, very small. The reality is most of us aren't going to make 150. That 70 years, that 80 years, that 90 years, if you suffered every day, it'd be worth holding on and not giving up and not giving in. In light of thousands and thousands and thousands of years from now. Number five, dark valleys have a purpose. Everything in life has a purpose and valleys are no exception. You know, we all love, you know, most of us enjoying the hot weather, the sunny weather, you get to go to the beach and all that. I certainly am. But you know what? If you only get hot weather and you don't get any cool weather and you don't get rain, what we enjoy becomes a desert and it's no longer enjoyable. You need all seasons. You need all seasons. It's, it's, actually, it's actually the down seasons, the horrible seasons that make the good seasons that much better. So everything has a purpose. And in our remaining time, I just want to encourage you with three of those purposes that we see in David's writings today. And the first one is simply this, to deepen our relationship with God. In verses 1 to 3, David talks about God. He says that he is the one who leads me. He guides me. He restores me. That's how he starts. But in verse 4, there's a change of language. And I'm believing that there'll be a change of language through our seasons in the shadows. Instead of just talking about God, David then turns and talks to God. He says, you are with me. It's your rod and your staff. They comfort me. David, through his season, was able to turn talking about God into talking to God. He was able to turn the ultimate into the intimate. Where the public becomes private. Where religion becomes a relationship. There are many people you ask, you know, do you believe in God? They say, yeah. Are you a Christian? Yeah. And they have this form of godliness. They have this form of religion. But they don't know what it is to have a personal, living, active, vibrant relationship with the living God. And God is wanting to use every season of our life to make sure that we stay in intimate, passionate, vibrant relationship with Him. That we don't just have a public show, but that we have a private debt. I love the fact that what I do inspires uh, many people, not just here, but around the world. And I know there's many young people who, who may look at what I do and say, man, I want to do that when I get older. I, I know even in our family, we, we have some kids that, that want to serve God and, and, and they see uh, what we do up here, mum and dad on stage. But, but know this, this is the smallest part of our life. This public persona is the smallest part of my life. It's, it's what takes place in the private moments that matter most. And you'll never know what you really believe 
until you're going through a tough time. I've been able to thank God for tough, dark valley seasons in my life because it's highlighted to me where I'm really at and who I really am and what I really have and what I really believe. And God is wanting to use these moments to deepen our relationship first and foremost with Him. When you are experiencing a season in the shadows, you don't want to talk about God. You want to talk to Him. We don't go to God in our time of trouble with a theological debate. We don't say, God, I thank you that you are there with me. And I thank you. Say, God, help me. I, I can't make sense of what's going on. I need you to speak to me. Yeah. Don't we? Yeah. There's a purpose in every season in our life. The Lord is my shepherd. When the Lord is your shepherd, you'll find that you will not want. Yeah. Sometimes we want all these things because we've taken our eyes off God and and he's no longer our all-sufficient, El Shaddai, all-provider, ever-present God. With Kath as my wife, I shall not want for another wife. That's what I found to be true. With her as my wife, knowing her as intimately as I do, I don't want another wife. When you get to know God intimately, some of the things you crave and desire will no longer have its pull or sway in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Number two is to develop you as a person. David says in verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, when you put metal into a fire, it's to make it pliable. The fire heats the metal so the metal can be used and shaped and become useful instead of just being a piece of metal. If you've been doing any gardening over the summer break, those tools you've been using that are made of metal have been formed and forged and fashioned to be useful in our hands. Imagine just having a piece of metal. You want to dig the garden, it's got a piece of metal, just like, oh, just. It's got all the potential to help you dig the garden, but just as a piece of metal, it's useless. And so it's got to be heated and formed and fashioned and made and shaped. Can you imagine if metal could talk? Can you imagine if metal was a Christian? Can you imagine if metal was like many of us when we're being formed and fashioned and shaped and changed? Ah, oh, stop it. No, what are you doing? I don't like this. Can you imagine if the metal could talk? Yeah. Get me out of this fire. It's hot. Yeah. But we know fire's hot. Because you're too hard. You need to be softened. Yeah. It's hot in here. I'm sweating. Wow. I'm burning. I'm melting. <laughs> it's like a musical today. It's like a... Broadway musical, I'm melting. Anyway. <laughs> but it doesn't. Yeah. It just sits in the fire, gets pliable, 
gets shaped, gets formed, gets fashioned, and becomes useful in our hands. And God's like that with us. He brings heat to our world. Not to burn us. Not to cause us just to sweat. Hey, look, I, I, I don't see God in heaven with all the angels saying, hey, I'm just going to bring some heat to their world just to make them sweat. No, there's always a purpose. There's always a purpose to make us pliable, to form us and to fashion us. You know, Goliath was the best thing that ever happened to David. We, we read it with hindsight, but just imagine for a moment, David's running towards this humongous guy. He's over nine foot tall. The Bible says he's got like six fingers on his hands. He's got six toes on his feet. He's a freak of nature. And imagine David just running towards Goliath. And as he's getting closer, oh, he's got six fingers. I didn't know that. That was weird. I, I wish I'd stayed with the sheep where it was safer. But this giant, this problem, and it's a giant problem, was the greatest thing that ever happened to David. Because it took David from tending sheep to leading a nation. This massive problem called Goliath was one of the greatest things that ever happened to David because it shaped him and it fashioned him and it helped him become who God intended him to be. Next time you're feeling the heat and a little bit of pressure, instead of complaining, say, Maybe, maybe a good question to ask would be, God, what are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to shape me into? And what are you trying to shape me for? See, it's often the rough roads, the roads less traveled that lead to some of the greatest places. I remember as a young kid growing up, my dad on holidays wanted to get to the most isolated places in Australia and to get to those isolated places you had to go on roads that other people weren't prepared to go to we never went to caravan parks I mean like caravan park for us as a kid was would have been luxury we used to drive past the caravan parks and say imagine going to one of those (laughs) that was like a five-star hotel to us oh caravan park toilets our toilet looked like a spade. And we'd find a bush and just dig a hole. Well, we were told to dig a hole. I thought it was too hard digging a hole. Just, just. Don't you wish you came on holidays with us? But we had some of the greatest holidays. Experienced some of the greatest spots. Had some of the greatest surf. When everyone else was in their caravan park in their little safe environment, David was able to say, I walked through the valley. In other words, he didn't run. When you face your valley, can you say, I walked through a valley? Or you, that guy or girl who always runs. And so every time I see a valley, I run. What you need to understand about God is that he has, he has your destiny before you. 
But from where you are to the destiny is a corridor. And as you're walking down that corridor, the valley of the shadow of death, uh, there's these little exits to the right or to the left. And at any time, God in his grace and love toward us says, you can leave. And, and, and maybe some of us have just taken that little right hand or left hand turn. But what you need to know, whenever you do, that little door that you go through takes you right back to where you first started. That's what you've got to remember. And so you see your destiny and okay, oh, it's getting hot in here. I'm, I'm, got, I'm just having a break. Oh, I'm ready. Oh my gosh, nothing's changed. I'm no closer. Lord, it's January 1. This year, I vow, I will get to where I'm meant to be going. We're there and it's January 1, January 2, January 3. Woo, it's hot. It's the 3rd of January. It's hot already for some of us. It's just like that door's looking good. And you can almost feel the cool breeze under the door. This is like, it's January 4. If I can make it to my birthday, this is a plug for my birthday, the 18th of January. If I can make it to my birthday. It's just too hot. We just, oh, oh, that's better. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. You're awesome, Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, my gosh, I'm where I started. It's like Groundhog Day. You ever seen that film? where the guy wakes up and says, until he learns his lesson, he relives the same day over and over and over again. My prayer for us as a church is that we would not relive 2015, but that we'd create new memories and have new stories. 2016, I took on my biggest giant ever, faced my biggest valley ever, my biggest problem ever. And like David, I was able to say, I walked through that valley. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I didn't run away from it. And he says, I will choose to fear no evil. Number three, as the band come up, is to increase our sphere of influence. He says in verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was able to say, my cup overflows. And that speaks to us of someone who had more than he needed for his own life. He was so full of what he had that there was leftovers. There was an overflow for others. If we learn to hold on to the promises of God and walk through our valley moments, we will find that not only we had enough to get through for ourselves, but we will find the testimony and the legacy that we leave will be an encouragement to others. David was so full of what he had that he can share what he had with others. David was able to say that he protects me. And because he protects me, I can protect you. And it was David who ran toward the giant because he'd walked through valleys. He knew what it was to protect that which God had given him to, uh, to look after. 
It was God who asked him to look after those sheep. And when a bear came along, David saw the bear was after the sheep that had been entrusted to his care. And he said, no, 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 not on my watch. And just as the Lord has protected me, I'm going to protect these sheep. There's something in me for others. And on another occasion, a big lion comes by. I think, oh, I wouldn't mind one of those sheep. A little bit of lamb on the spit would be nice. And David says again, not on my watch. And he declared, just as the Lord protects me, so I will protect the sheep. See, our Christianity is not just for us. When you talk to a lot of Christians, it's about what's God done for you? He's done this for me. What have you done for others through God being in your life? That's what excites me so much about our team going to Indonesia. It's not just us making money based upon our vocation here, but it's us giving back to a community of people where some 100, maybe 300 teachers will be trained and equipped to better care for hundreds and hundreds of young children. God forbid that our influence would stop with me and mine. We are here to be a blessing to others just as we've been blessed. Our kids grew up with this mantra, I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others. And I say, now repeat it after me. I'm blessed. No, I'm blessed. No, no, no. Say it like you mean it. I'm blessed. If you want ice cream, say it like you mean it. I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others. And so David had protected the sheep because God had protected him. And the moment he saw this giant, this nine foot Philistine, for how dare he defy the army of the living God? Just as God has protected me, so I will protect his people. God didn't protect me just to protect me. He protected me so I could be a protection to others. God has blessed me, not just to bless me, but He's blessed me so I might be a blessing to others. May this be a year for us where we are a blessing to others. May this be a year where we are giving to others. May this be a year where we don't just receive provision, but that we provide for others. That's the revelation that David had. How we handle our dark seasons often speaks to others more. I know some of you and I know some of what you're going through. And it's not pretty and it's not pleasant. It's downright messy and ugly. But you're here. And I love that. I love that you come in your dysfunction. I love that you come in your pain. I love that you come in your hurt. I love that you come in your confusion. You have no idea what it does for me. You have no idea how much faith it gives me. You say, really? Yes, really. I I thank God that I'm happily married. I thank God for our kids. But but I know there are single mums here that struggle to get their kids in the car just to be here. Just after 10, they'd love to be here before 10. This just doesn't never see Every time it's like, I'm going to get here before 10, but no, it's after 10. You know what? I'm so glad you're here. Single mums are are my heroes. 
single dads. I know it can be difficult raising kids with a, a, a great wife. And to do that alone, it's such an encouragement. Don't give up. Don't give in. People are watching. And if you just give up and give in, it won't just be you who loses. It'll be those that are watching you. They'll lose. You just standing your ground. You just slaying that bear and slaying that lion. It may not feel like that. Oh, what I want you to know, it didn't feel like that for David. Because no one saw it. Can you imagine this bear coming along? And as he reaches down his throat and rips out his heart and eats it. Maybe not. And David's like, did you see that? No one's there. Sheep, did you see that? They don't even, they don't even know. To this day, they don't even know. They walk along. David saved them. They didn't even know. Do you know how many people are walking around on the planet today having been saved by God? We don't even know what he's done for us. Jesus came to planet Earth. He laid down his life. And we don't even know. We're like those shit, whatever. And it's worse than that. We blame God and we blaspheme God. We ignore God. And he's the one, just like David, who is there protecting his sheep. God is protecting us and loving us and caring for us. And we have this incredible opportunity, church, to do what Jesus did for us. We have that same opportunity to do that for others in 2016. I pray that you get so full of God this year that you don't have just enough for you. I, I pray that 2016 is not one of those years where people ask you, how are you going? Oh, okay, under the circumstances. I, I pray that this is one of those years where you go above the circumstances. I, I pray that this is a year where you have a revelation that you're not under the circumstances, but that you are seated above the circumstances in heavenly realms, far above all rule, principalities and powers. I pray it's that kind of year for you. I pray it's the kind of a year where you see a lion and a bear and you just rip their head off. because Not because you have a bad attitude towards lions and bears. See, David didn't hate lions, but you've got to get this. David wasn't like a, 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 an animal. Well, maybe there is something for my hating of cats. Maybe there is a theology in that. He hated cats. No. David didn't go around just ripping lions' heads off or bears' heads off. There was a purpose attached for the protection of that which God entrusted him. And I pray it's that kind of year for us. We're out of time. Just looked at the time. It got away from me. Seven minutes over time, apparently. Stupid clock. Just stand with me. Who's got something out of this morning's message? You know what? I don't care if it's just Taylor Swift's Words that you got out of this today. That will help most of you. Shake it off.
I love that thought. Because we're going to get down to these sick psalms in January of 2016. We're not going to worry about what the dirty, filthy, rotten cheats of this world are doing and the liars and the haters and the fakers and the breakers and the this and the that and the other. And focus on that. If Taylor Swift can do it, every man or woman of God can do it. You're going to focus on this year. The haters, the fakers, the heartbreakers. We're going to focus on the incredible message in these songs. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. It's a new day. God is with us. That means that we can get through any circumstance. It means we can get through any problem, any situation. Your worst day, you can stand because God is with you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 